welcome to the Self-Help Podcast, a weekly no-nonsense guide dedicated to your emotional health and well-being. Presented by entrepreneur Edward Lamb and psychotherapist Sean Orford. For more information, visit liveinthepresent.co.uk. Okay, hello, welcome to episode 438 of the Self-Help Podcast with Sean Orford. Uh, sorry, I got that wrong, didn't I? With me, Ed Lamb, and my good pal, Sean Offord. That's how I start these episodes. <laughs> no, no, I think Sean Offord should come first. No, 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 I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, never. I, I get, I'm the guy that gets to do this and publish it. But, uh, you're the brains. You're, you're, the, brains. you're the big cheese. Yeah. <laughs> Are you doing, Sean? You okay? Yeah, I'm good. I am good. Um, life is as busy as usual. Um I mean, it, it, it's an odd thing uh, we, as we come into this topic, but it's like some of the evenings have been so lovely um, and so warm. We're in October, but it's been really warm. And I've um, taken the van down to the to the beach, and then when Ree's finished work, you know, I, I cook the tea and then she can come and we can watch the sunset as we eat our tea. You know, but it's been that warm that we can do it. And yeah. Uh, there's that feeling of should it be this warm? Right? Yeah, everyone's kind of looking around. Yeah, I'm not hearing much in my climate circles about about the warmth at the moment because climate and and weather are two different things. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah. I'm, I usually try and hold off on putting the heating on until October, and uh, it's still not on in our house yet. And we're, I'm trying to push for November now. We're kind of about five or six days from November, so that would be uh-huh. a new record. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, as Sean's suggested for this week, we're going to talk uh, about climate change because it's COP26 coming up. Um, yeah. So yeah, I could talk about that stuff all day, but I'll try not to bore you all too much. But I'm very interested in the kind of cultural and uh, emotional rea- reactions that we're, we're going to experience in the in the years ahead. So we'll, uh, we'll come on to that in a bit. Uh, Liveinthepresent.co.uk for all the show notes and links. Uh, Sean's written a blog post, um, which I've read, and it's the kind of the, the inspiration for this episode, and he does so every week. So do check it out on the website and subscribe. Put your email address in the box, and we'll send you weekly uh, weekly alerts for the show, uh, so you'll never never miss an episode. Um, mm. So yeah, yeah. Before we come on to the show, Sean, you've been uh, you're you're a busy bee. Or in fact, maybe maybe our busyness is is a kind of a correlation and a and a. A source of emissions. We're also busy running around doing everything. Are you getting busier by the day? Um, it's. It, I'm trying to not get busier by the day, but it is quite busy. Yeah. Um, and you, go on. Sorry. Uh, I, I guess it's weighing something up. Isn't it? So if I can see somebody online, that means they haven't had to drive all the way here, mm-hmm. and they might have driven an hour to get here. They're here for an hour. They drive back for an hour. So is that? Is that a better use of carbon? Than- Who knows, man? Yeah, carbon literacy, which I've done. I've got a little mini qualification in carbon literacy. So you'd have to factor in things like if they're at home and it's getting colder, which it's not yet. Have they, have they got the heating on instead? Instead of being in an office with where everyone's sharing the heating, uh, that kind of thing starts to yeah. um, become a bit of an issue. But maybe yeah it's a stranger world but i kind of in terms of busyness i'm I'm not that busy at the moment so i'm quite proud of it and i'm starting to when people ask me how i am i'm trying not to say busy because we see business busyness as a kind of a bit of a badge badge of honor these days don't we and, Is it? Uh, god i must have some badges of honor 
over the years, God, have I been busy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I have been busy, you know, this year, but I'm actually not that busy at the moment, which I'm quite happy about. And I guess I'm in a privileged position relatively because um, I've got kind of cash in the bank that I've, from previous bits of work I've been doing over the last few months. So I don't have to stress too much about being self-employed and not mm-hmm. not that busy. But maybe we maybe we shouldn't be aiming to be busy and using that language, you know, when we're speaking to our friends and family about how we're getting on. I, I think that um, uh, busy, from my point of view, usually means I'm busy when things are more difficult out there. Um, uh, in that sense, that it, if there are a lot of problems, then it's like say when Diana died i suddenly had a massive spike in people needing to talk about death and dying and diana and divorce and all kinds of stuff that it kicked off Mm. so when things happen that's when i get busy and and the busy that i've been over the last two years has obviously been covid related stuff and and relation related stuff um and are we moving into we're now going to have climate related stuff i don't know but it's like all, it's all the anxieties and the depressions that go with those issues and problems. You know? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I think it's the, well, COP twenty six is coming up in Glasgow in uh, a week or so from when this is published, yeah. um, and it's all over the news, the conference itself. And I have noticed that the BBC in particular, and, and Sky, and maybe all the news channels and their newspapers are giving climate change much more prominence now and it's at least there's at least one big story on the news uh and a news night every night now about climate so i think it's not just in the because of the build-up to this big event but i think um yeah the the media inverted commas is is kind of giving it much more prominence and i think they've realized that it needs to be in the the brains of every, of citizens every day mm. uh, but is it come is it like are you, are you starting to see people that are burning out with kind of eco-anxiety, as it's called? or uh, um, I, I've got odd people that are starting to talk about it. I haven't got anybody who's cracking up. I mean, people, the people I'm working with are trying to survive the whole kind of COVID thing and the lockdown thing and the money that they've lost and they're trying to, you know, it's like it, it's all those related issues. I think that... Um, and certainly the, the the fuel shortage did hit people and made people look at things. And now we've got fuel prices spiking to the highest that they've been forever kind of thing. Um, and lots of people are, are a bit anxious about that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it's a really difficult one. It's, it's a bit like they've moved one of the hospitals um, to function from uh, the Wirral across to Liverpool. And that means the staff that live on Wirral now have to get through the tunnel to get to work. Now, if you drive through, it costs a lot. If you go through on the train, it costs quite a bit. You know, if you drive, you've got to pay the toll fees. If you, and then you've got to park at the other side. And it's like there's real kind of conflicts going on there. Um, yeah. And some some people will change their jobs because they can't can't cope with the time or the money to do it. You know. Big, big changes going on on planet Earth, and we're uh, we're just we're just getting started, really. Yeah, I mean, the fuel crisis was interesting. Uh, I mean, I had a kind of sick fascination in it because um, I've I've been thinking that something like that would would kick off at some point as a kind of an energy issue. Um, 
so I wasn't, you yeah, know, I wasn't happy to see people suffering, but I was kind of thinking, ah, this is going to be an interesting, because it wasn't a real fuel, cri- fuel crisis. There was plenty of fuel that was just, or the normal amount of fuel that was just um, all swallowed up in one in one go instead of being yeah. <laughs> eked yeah. out. As but but as, as human beings, we panic, don't we? I, I had to go to Costco the other day to get some bits, and people were doing the bog roll thing again. You know that they, they had their trolleys stuffed for the toilet rolls, and I'm I'm thinking, you know, you can't need that much toilet paper for God's sake. Um, but you could see people going into panic mode. Indeed, uh, yeah. Like I say, yeah. Well, we'll come into this a bit later on, but I'm fascinated about the kind of emotional and re- reaction that we'll, we're going to see to to changes in lifestyle and habit and, st- and stuff like that, um, mm. because um, there's the. I mean, it's kind of frustrating as a low-level campaigner and someone who's done a bit of teaching on climate change that a lot of the kind of high high-level government stuff around what what we need to do in the next 10, 15 years is not much. We just need to we need to do the same things just differently. So we'll still be able to fly, we'll still be able to drive. It'll just be in electric cars and electric planes, or like technology will save us basically. Where have you most campaigners and most people that I know that have like studied and the, and the scientists that are kind of raising the alarm about this stuff are saying, well, hang on, you know, we, it might not be that. It's not that easy. <laughs> we we yeah. are going to have to have some yeah. quite serious changes to the way, the way yeah. that we do things. And yeah. uh, there are a lot of upsides to, to the, the, that I've kind of discovered um, in terms of like safer roads through fewer cars and kind of, you know, train travel instead of uh, flights will kind of reduce noise pollution. And, you know, it's just a, mm-hmm. trains are just a healthier, nicer way of getting around. But it's mm-hmm. slower, obviously, than kind of hopping on a on a plane and traveling right the way across the world or a continent in, you know, a couple of hours. Um, so it's, it's quite frustrating, yeah, seeing what's coming out from government agencies compared to what we actually need to do. But maybe that idea of we need to go abroad on holiday has to change again. I mean, it's only from the kind of 70s onwards that air travel started to pick up in the way that it has done. Uh, and before that, people went to the good old British seaside holiday, you know, whether it was Blackpool or, you know, Devon, Cornwall, Norfolk. You know, people went to places in, in Britain. Um, and the only problem that people had as far as I can never remember, is that in Britain it rained. And that was why people went abroad, because they wanted the sun. But if climate is changing, so there's more sun in Britain, maybe people don't need to go abroad to get the sun. You know? Possibly, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, we, um, you know, I've, I've been on enough foreign holidays in my, my time to know, you know, the, like the warmth you get in Mallorca is, is very different to the warmth, even at the height of summer in I don't know, Brighton, or we go to Northumberland, so it's it's quite different <laughs> up there. Yeah, I think a lot of it is humidity. It's a bit yeah. like when I used to go to Bremen uh, over there in General Foods, um, the the river there in Bremen, um, it could be 20 below, people are skating on the river, but people are sat outside drinking hot chocolates and cocktails because the cold was a dry cold, mm-hmm. whereas in Britain the cold is like a wet cold that gets in your bones. Yeah, it's a different thing, and I think it's the same with dry heat and wet heat. It's the same thing as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, if we talk about busyness earlier on, the kind of holiday season or the kind of holiday cycle that a lot of us are on, are kind of working our our backsides off for 
48 weeks of a year for, for our 20 days holiday, you know, and two of which you might be able to uh, bag um, a couple of weeks or 10 days, yeah, in, in Tenerife or, or the Balearic Islands or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of that whole the thing that I've kind of realized is that whole cycle of life of, of kind of busyness and working just so that we can enjoy 20 days of peace and quiet <laughs> is kind mm. of really out of whack in terms of like health and happiness and like mental health of, of, of us. Cause you know, why, why should you spend, assuming you're in a job that you don't enjoy all that much or isn't all that fulfilling. Why should you spend 48 weeks of the year just so that you can be happy for, um, yeah, for, for four weeks. It's kind of a bit of a strange concept, isn't it? So, but that, that thing that you were saying, like saying earlier about, is it better to come back from work and say, oh, I've been so busy, it's been such a tough day? Does that give us status as opposed to, no, today was a breeze, didn't have anything to do, really. you know, does that make us lazy or something? Well, who knows, who knows, but what's your understanding of, of climate change then, Sean? What have you been looking up? Because I've seen you've, you've, you've noted that we've, the kind of understanding goes goes way back of what we're doing to the yeah yeah when 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 we were first doing the industrial revolution there were people that could see what was happening and they could see what would happen so from 1824 was the thing i was reading that they were saying that there is going to be a carbon climate climate problem i mean i can remember as a child the the they used to call them pea soup fogs in london and they were so thick that you couldn't see very far in front of you. It sounds mad, yeah. Um, and that was like daytime with the with the sun on, yeah. Uh, and when when you got a pea soup fog, um, you you were in a situation where um, we used to have to wear smog masks. So you'd arrive at school, and it was an aluminium thing. You take out there'd be a pad inside which would be black from what you've been breathing. So you throw that away and you put a new one in to go home. Um, but um, and cars had orange headlights, they had fog fog lights, and oh, yeah. they would, they'd loom out of the, of the gloom at you, you know. Um, and people used to have a lot of chest issues and, and the cold up, but then people smoked their heads off as well. <laughs> so they'd be breathing the smog and then go indoors and smoke a fag. I suppose they could have stayed outside and just breathe the smog. Yeah, I guess it can be quite frustrating because we, for, for like the uh, the average punter, because we've made vast strides, haven't we, in terms of like air quality and stuff like that. Um, I note I note that the new ULES zone for London came in yesterday into into effect. Yeah. So you've got a, a vehicle beyond a, over a certain age, and in fact, our car, which is a 2012 diesel, would you believe it? Which we try and use as little as off, you know, as little as we can. That that's actually um, too old so it's not that we can't drive into London in it not that I would anyway um, but it's, if we do it's a £12 charge per day um, £12.50 I think £12.50 and I think it's 100 quid for a, a bus or a lorry that's or a lorry that's like so it's some serious charges going on now which um, will have even more of an impact so thinking back to your your day when it was yeah you couldn't even see 100 metres down the road. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, 100 metres was a long way. I mean, you couldn't see that. Wow. No way, you know. It's mad, isn't it? Yeah. So we, I can we remember, have... remember as a kid being dragged along um, and uh, people would loom out of the, the kind of the fog at you and they scared the willies out of me. You know? <laughs> um, <laughs> it was a really strange time, yeah. Good for photography, though, um, I'll bet. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I guess... 
what we, I mean, we have made a lot of progress in this country, but I think what, we, what we've done is we've kind of, we've outsourced a lot of the industrial uh, work, haven't we? So we've onto, yeah. we've lumped it onto China and other countries where it's cheaper. Yeah, and bits of India as well. Uh, they they have lots of problems. Um, Huge. Yeah, um, and so they've got this, they've inherited the smog that we gave them, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's crazy. So we have, uh, a lot of people will say, you know, because we have made progress in the last 30 years in the UK and in the West. What about, they'll say, what about China? And what about India? Uh, well, yeah. we've, we've outsourced all of, all of our production of all our rubbish <laughs> on those guys. So, that, you yeah. know, their emissions are rising so steeply because we're lumping all ours into their country. Um, yeah. And obviously all the associated issues around air quality and plastic pollution and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. So it's, uh, it's quite a complex thing, isn't it? Yeah. So what what do we do then? What do we do? How do we do this? I uh, mean, you, you 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 you've had your teeth into this for a while, haven't you? Yeah. So yeah. Well, I'm carbon literate, and I would I would urge people to to take some kind of carbon literacy course if they can. Um, I'll I'll put a link to the carbon literacy. Uh, I've forgotten the name of the, the the organization that I trained with. You can do online courses, really simple, you know, online, you know, you could start just with a 10 minute YouTube video, yeah. take it from there. But in terms you need, I think a good kind of understanding of the carbon cycle. And so the reason I stopped liking electric cars so much, um, they do have their benefits is because the carbon footprint of producing the car itself, uh, and maintaining a road network that is going to, is kind of cracking and bursting at the seams um is is really carbon intensive so everything that we we everything that we create for this future whether it's an electric car or a heat pump you know they've been in the news quite a lot um you need to take into account the the kind of the energy uh that it's going to need to not just to create it but to kind of run it for 20 30 years of its of its life so um i would i would encourage people to get a good understanding of that I don't know, I've told you before about my adopter, Granny Edna, and where she was brought up in the, the north of Scotland. Nobody went any further than you could go on a horse and cart in a day, yeah. you know, there and back. That was, that was the perimeter of where you went. Anything beyond that was, was like a major issue. Um, um, do, you, do you think that we're going to get back to that kind of thing where we live in more discrete communities where travelling isn't? You know the way the way we see it now. I mean, if I want to go anywhere in the world, excepting the COVID issues, I can literally just go and book a few things, and I can be in Oz in twenty five hours. Can I? Yeah. You know, um, I think we'll be all right in the UK. I think uh, you know we've built we've built a massive like um, to our credit renewable electricity um, like generation network. So the power that we make already is from wind and sun, mm-hmm. uh, and a bit from hydro. Is, is massive really um so we'll be all right here i guess uh we, we still probably will need to kind of downscale our living arrangements a little bit i don't think we can assume that there's going to be um a flight for us every time we want to hop hop, hop somewhere i think mm-hmm. i think we're just going to run out of energy for that kind of stuff but yeah hopefully we can we, we'll yeah we'll have rail and we'll have uh some kind of motorway network for for moving stuff around by <laughs> lorries and yeah that kind of thing but i think well, the, canals getting canals where canals yeah i know yeah anything that's anything that's low energy 
and like low complexity i think is is the future and the sooner we realize that the better really because we are um we don't have a like a unlimited amount of resources to get to the future that we want so um yeah what do, what do you think about um houses and solar panels i mean why isn't it planning permission regulation that all new houses must have solar panels i don't know yeah i'm not sure on that to be honest i'm thinking a lot at the moment i've only just really started thinking about insulation because obviously there's been these um insulate britain protests they've been shutting down motorways yeah. and the m25 <laughs> which yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm quite sympathetic to actually because uh uh yeah one, once you know the numbers on climate change then we should all be kind of protesting like mad because it's that serious um solar panels yeah i don't know actually i think there are rules coming in um or but simple things like that i don't know why we haven't made decisions and i think it's partly because we've wrapped ourselves so much in kind of rules and regulations about things and a lot of them are very probably quite good in terms of safety and mm. uh, and that kind of thing that change is hard isn't it um and even i um uh, oh. having got the camper van the um the solar panel that's on the roof there i've just been experimenting with it as the weather changes i'll take it through the winter and see whether it does it right the way through the dark but one little solar panel on the roof has kept a fridge and a freezer in the van going all the time so i've had frozen ice hmm. ever since i got it um and I just put the water in there in a nice cube thing. Yeah. And it stayed stayed frozen. And it's just chugging away there. Yeah. Um, and I'm thinking that's just one little panel. You know, what what would that be if it was across the roof? You know, should I should I be doing that? Should I be putting solar panels on the roof? Mm-hmm. Quite possibly, yeah, I think so. Um it's uh it's it, even I can't answer that for you. I think, yeah, you, I think we do need to focus on ins- insulating our houses like quite urgently, really. I don't think we should assume that we're going to have boilers, hydrogen boilers or electric boilers or anything like that because um, we might not need them. We just need to do things a bit more efficiently. The, the, mm-hmm. It is possible to build a house now that doesn't need any heating at all in, in the winter because it's so well insulated and it cools itself naturally in the in the summer as well. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I would go for that kind of low energy approach and that low energy. But does that mean that building new houses that are highly insulated, or can you insulate old houses? Uh, yeah, I think it depends a lot on the house, really. You know, there's quite a modern fad, isn't there, for lots of glass in buildings and, and houses, mm-hmm. you know, big, massive um, mm-hmm. glass, glass backed houses, um, which mm-hmm. that's not that good for insulation, I don't think, because, yeah, <laughs> unless it's all triple glazed. Uh, yeah. Yeah. He's stuffed. <laughs> but then is the carbon footprint of creating the triple glazing greater than it's that? Is it? it's, Maybe. That's Maybe. that's why you have to be carbon literate, I suppose. So you have to understand what it is that exactly. goes into producing what you are using. Yes, exactly. So, yeah, and, you know, <clears throat> people don't like to be preached to either, do they, by me or by anyone, really. So if you've got that understanding yourself, um, then that's probably a healthier, healthier place to start. So don't listen to me. Don't listen to Sean. Just go out and do your own homework. But yeah, yeah. yeah. one of the things that I saw that I really loved was uh, it was somewhere in Africa where they were building walls out of plastic bottles that had been stuffed with plastic wrappers. Mm. Yeah, um, and they were building them with sand and cement and then rendering the outsides. But they said that the insulation factor on those was was really high, so right. it kept them cool in the in the in the, the summer and warm in the winter kind of thing that's cool um, 
and it was like a, a good way of reusing stuff that we're throwing away. Yeah, you know, again, like, I saw those that round of images yesterday, like saying how long a packet of crisps lasts for in the environment. It takes like five hundred years to break down, or something that's like that. A so. crisp bag. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, there's a whole list of all these things and how long they take to to degrade in the in the. I mean. Just check check with your local waste authority as well. So on the Wirral, we don't need to worry about that because we burn all of our waste. <laughs> <laughs> Which, oh, don't need to worry about that then, do we? No, we send it all for incineration in, in Merseyside. It goes off to somewhere in, in Teesside, I think, as a, a plant there. It goes by rail. Um and it get and they from from the process they create electricity actually. But I don't know what happens with kind of the, the fumes. Mm. So are they capturing anything out of the fumes? I think they. I think they will be filtering it. I need to do a bit of digging uh, just to see. Yeah. If it, if it, it's kind of sold as quite a green thing, but I'm not. I'm not so sure. I might need to uh, yeah. investigate. Hmm. But I mean, if you if you think about a bag of crisps, okay, if that if that bag is going to be around for five hundred years, what about a sweet wrapper, just like a little bit of plastic around the sweet? Is that the same thing? Yeah. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. It is. Um, so yeah brace yourself I've, I mean this people might have turned off by now and it might be a little bit too much to take and this eco-anxiety is spreading but I guess what I would say is that don't try not well um, knowledge is power and all that stuff and for me I find it quite empowering learning more all the time and that goes with our mantra here on live in the present doesn't it about life is for learning so the, the, I, I'm quite enjoying digging deeper into all this stuff and, le- and learning more about it day by day uh, and I guess I, I think what one of the things that's important is that so often people are going to say, "But if I'm the only person that's doing this, it doesn't make any difference, does it?" But if yeah. lots of people do something, and it's like we we just talked about crisp packets, you know, mm-hmm. what would happen if people said to the crisp companies, "Okay, we want you crisp, but we want you to change the packets. If you don't change the packets, we're not going to buy it." You know, they'd change their packets overnight, wouldn't they? They would. Yeah, they'd have to instead of some slow and steady ten-year consultation on. Yeah, fine. It would happen by magic, wouldn't it? Very quickly. Yeah, mm. yeah. I, th- I think still, I think that's the way. There's a bit of kind of human psychology at play. I think as much as we're gonna, we you keep hearing this number twenty fifty, don't we? By twenty fifty, we're going to be net zero and all that. Um, that's like a, a deliberately distant target, so people can like not worry about it too much. I think we're going to experience a series of shocks and jolts <laughs> along the way. But it's like, how, by 2050, how much of the world's population are going to be left? Well. Because I and, think that, that's, to me, that's the kind of reality that if there isn't water in, in, around the equator, and, and at, the, at the moment they live by desalinating the sea, um, seawater you know but the problem is that the residual salt that they put back in the sea creates over salination that kills all the fish oh nice you know i mean so it's like yes you've got millions of people can all have a shower at doha but what's happening to the marine life so you can do that you know? yeah big knock-on effects aren't they blimey yeah. i haven't even looked i haven't even looked into that one so uh that might well, I, I use i used to sit in in the apartment there and I'd, like I said, I'd be having a shower. <clears throat> and I'm thinking, how comes there are 70 million people having a shower at the moment in the middle of the desert? But when you looked out the window, you could see where the desalinated residue was being pumped back into the sea. Really? And then, and then you could see the difference in the colour 
as it went out, wow. as it was reabsorbed in. You know, but, but that salination is so heavy that the fish can't survive it. Wow. Yeah. Flip it out. Why can't they? Why can't they just put it in like uh, bottle it and sell it back? And we can put it on our fish and chips, eh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. And it, it's, it, it, when you start to look at it, it's like what seems like a solution. Hey, let's desalinate the water, and then you look at the ramifications of doing that. Uh, I mean, apart from the carbon footprint that it takes to take the seawater out to desalinate it to put the salt back in the sea, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's crazy. It's crazy, isn't it, man? So yeah, hopefully our, our little community here of self-help podcast followers can just kind of brace themselves for. We, we've we've talked quite a bit in the last month or two, I think, haven't we, about kind of adapting for or get preparing for crises and mentally yeah. and uh, and you know in terms of what you've got in your home to see you yeah. through certain certain issues. So uh, without wanting to freak yeah. out, if anyone too much, you know, we we should be prepared for for some weird thing, weird goings on, shouldn't we? Yeah. Yeah, that doesn't mean to say that we can't enjoy the moment and actually be living in the present. Yeah. Um, and and the thing is that today we're okay. You know, so live today. Yes, we need to plan for tomorrow, but we need to live today. Yeah. And if we start worrying about tomorrow and the day after and the year after, then we get anxiety in the present. And whatever it's about, whether it's health anxiety, um, pollution, climate, whatever, you know, once we start worrying, then we're, we're kind of right in it. Yeah. You know. Cool. Um, all right. What's your uh, resource of the week, Sean? Um, I've put up um, a uh, a little guide. It's like an article, but it, it's um, it, it's quite complex. There's a lot of things in it about how can you um, how can we reduce our carbon footprint, and it gives you loads of ideas of things that you could do individually in each different area of your life. You know. Cool. Uh, all right. Which is, I mean, it's clothes, it's travel, it's food, it's you know, everything. Oh, clothes, man, didn't even mention that. And we, I haven't even mentioned bicycles, have I, in this whole half an hour? No. Wow, incredible. No. Um, yeah, <laughs> who'd have thought it, man? <laughs> cool. Uh, I'll have a look at that, actually, because I'm always... There was one on the BBC yesterday, and it was getting some slating online because it was it was recommending getting an, get, getting an electric car over using public transport, and people were like, what? What are you talking about? Because, yeah, there's no way, man, you, you know, you know get, get a bus, don't get an electric car. <laughs> <laughs> crazy um i'm linked to treehogger.com which is a really good website for kind of it's got loads of different authors and journalists that write for it mm-hmm. and there's a, a, a new short film come out from fully charged which is a youtube channel i follow they do a lot of electric car reviews so i kind of swerve those a little bit now but they've, they've, they do a lot of cool climate stuff as well and they've just released a short film called stop burning stuff um in, in advance of the uh the COP26 conference, so uh, worth worth watching that, I would say. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. All right, Sean. We'll uh, do that. Yeah. You happy? Yeah, I am always happy. Wicked. <laughs> All right, cool. Well, um, yeah, we'll wrap it up and I'll catch up with you again next week, eh? Okay. You take care. See Bye, you. everybody. See you later. Bye. See you. Bye.